Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. It's been an awesome, awesome series. It's been something in my own personal life that has uh, really challenged me. And even though I've known a lot about these uh, principles and a lot of these truths that we've been talking about uh, over the last few weeks, uh, it really has. It has inspired me and it's challenged me to kind of go back and revisit some things that, you know, that I'm guilty of. I'm sure we all are at times guilty of, of just kind of dropping our guard of, of you know, not being battle-ready in situations and circumstances that we need to be ready for when they come. And that's the reason why we're calling this series, it's called Engage. We're learning how to win the battles and our spiritual battles in our everyday lives. And um, one of the things that we've learned is that we have to be prepared. The key to winning our spiritual battles is all in our preparation. In other words, we have to dress for success. Turn to your neighbor and ask them. Say, hey, did you dress for success today? Because whether we realize it or not, hey, it is all about what we wear. It's all about how we are prepared and how we're battle-ready for those fiery darts, those fiery arrows that the enemy is going to throw at us. And so one of the things that we've been looking at is all the different pieces of equipment, the different uh, facets of the, of the body armor or the armor of God. And we'll break that down here in just a few moments. But I just want to begin by asking the question, have you ever found yourself in a situation? Maybe you were invited to a party or maybe a wedding or maybe you walked into a situation and you were totally caught off guard as it relates to maybe what you are wearing. And you got back in the car after the event, the party, the wedding, or whatever, and you walked away and you thought to yourself, I will never, ever face that situation again. I will always make sure that I am overdressed rather than underdressed. Anybody ever been underdressed before? In other words, you were maybe going into a situation that was very formal and uh, you kind of went in, you know, rocking the blue jeans or, you know, whatever. Um, Michelle and I actually went to a, a wedding, sad, and man, I'm even embarrassed to even say this, and some friends of ours, and I don't know how we just totally missed the fine print, completely missed the details. And it was an extremely formal wedding. I'm telling you, formal wedding. Black tie, I mean, the, I mean, color-coordinated everything. Everybody, when we walked in, all had the same attire. It was either black or it was in a specific, like, green-looking color. And everybody was, I mean, like, it was like a painting. Everybody was wearing the exact same thing. I come rocking this royal blue suit. And Michelle was wearing, like, this hot pink, like, dress. Look, I mean, it was like Sonny and Cher just walked in. And we were like, hey. What is up, everybody? And they were looking at us like, yeah, what is up with your, with your clothes? Didn't you get the memo? You know, it's sad, but sometimes we walk into those situations where we're like totally caught off guard. We, uh, we've tried to teach our kids through the years the important principle of being dressed for success. 
And uh, we've always told them it's always better if you're in question, if you ever wonder what you're supposed to wear, always just err on the side of being overdressed rather than underdressed. Well, obviously, in the illustration I just gave you, we violated our own <laughs> principle that we tried to teach our kids. And so uh, a few weeks ago during Halloween, our son Luke, uh, he went to a party that he was invited to. It was a Halloween party. Everybody was dressed up in costumes. And he came walking in to the situation that night wearing a suit. And all of his friends were kind of like harassing him. Saying, dude, didn't you, didn't you know you were coming to a Halloween party? He said, yeah. They said, well, why are you dressed in a suit? How come you don't wear a costume? He said, I came as a funeral home director. And he, I think we got a picture. And so <laughs> he just got like, so we were harassing him on the phone. And we got the, uh, they, his friends were posting it and all that kind of stuff on Instagram. And so we asked Luke, I said, what, what were you thinking? He said, we just, I just did what you guys told me to do. He said, I always went over, he said, I went that night being overdressed rather than underdressed. He said, I didn't want to dress up like everybody else. I wanted to stand out. Well, what's crazy is that. Many of us, we get up every single day, we go off to work, we go off to school, we walk into situations, and sometimes in that moment of vulnerability, in that moment of temptation, in that moment of weakness that we all experience in situations, in moments, in seasons, in circumstances of life, there are those moments when the enemy, our great adversary, who's come to steal, kill, and destroy, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, the father of lies, what does he do? He will throw that fiery arrow at us, those fiery darts in that moment of vulnerability, in that moment of weakness, in that moment of temptation. In that moment when we are completely caught off guard, and it's in that moment we got to be overdressed. It's in that moment we got to be fully equipped, fully prepared in the moment to fight off those fiery arrows. And that is the reason why we've been learning this passage in Ephesians chapter 6 with the Apostle Paul. For those of you that are new to us, was writing a letter while he was in a prison cell in Rome. And as he's chained to a Roman centurion, the soldier, he begins to observe from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet the armor, this Roman centurion, this soldier, all of the armor that he was wearing. And he was writing a letter to a, a group of brothers and sisters in Christ in a, in a place called Ephesus. And he was telling his brothers and sisters in Christ and reminding them not just who they were in Christ, but who they belonged to, whose they were in Christ. And he was trying to reinforce to them the importance that even though they were living in a time, living in a culture, in a place where there was so much sin, so much immorality, so much ideology that was being embraced by so many, even among the Christians, Paul was warning them and he said, listen, don't buy into the lies. Don't, to, don't succumb to the temptations. Don't conform to your surroundings. He said, be aware. He said, stand guard, be alert. 
And here's what he's saying to his friends as he wraps up his letter in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. He said a final word. He said, be strong in the Lord. Why did he say that? Because he knew that they were going to be vulnerable. He knew that they were going to be subject to temptations. He knew that there was going to be pressure to conform to everything going on around them. And he said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And he said, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul is just reinforcing the hey, The battle... What you're up against is bigger than you. There is, there is a demonic force that is working against you. And he's reminding them. He said, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Don't go underdressed. Don't get caught off guard. Don't be unprepared, he's re- reemphasizing. He's saying... Therefore, put on every piece of, our, of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. In other words, you're not going to get knocked out. You're going to be standing firm. Why? Because you have been fully prepared. He said, therefore, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth. And the body armor of God's righteousness. He said, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news. So that you will be fully prepared. And then he said, in addition to all of these things. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And he said, put on the salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So up until this point, we've been basically taking all six of these pieces of armor and have been breaking them down. And what's interesting is that the first five pieces of the armor of God are defensive pieces of armor. In other words, these are the things that we wear that we put on to shield ourselves, to protect ourselves, to ward off, if you will, the fiery arrows that the enemy throws at us. But this last piece of armor, the strategy shifts. The clothing attire has a different purpose. And the reason for it is because now, rather than us being on the defense where the devil is coming after us, we flip the script and now we're on the offense. And we take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we use that sword to conquer and take down and defeat the evil one. And so today, we're going to look at the sword of the Spirit. We're going to look at... The power of the word of God in our lives. Because Paul is basically reminding his friends once again that, hey, it's in those moments when we least expect it. It's in those moments where where we, maybe when we feel weak and vulnerable. Maybe we're not as close to the Lord as we have been in the past. Maybe we're not walking in day-by-day close, intimate fellowship with the Lord. Maybe we have kind of drifted in our relationship with him. And the devil not only knows that. 
But guess what? In your moment of weakness and vulnerability, when you least expect it, you're going to be in those fork of the road moments. You're going to be placed in situations. You're going to have to make choices and decisions in your life. There are going to be things come against you. There are going to be circumstances you, you did not plan or prepare for. It could be in a relationship. It could be a financial situation. It could be a storm that you go through with your physical health, a diagnosis. It could be a situation related to one of your children. You had no idea, you didn't even think about something like that that would suddenly impact and turn your family upside down. All of a sudden, there's going to be a myriad of situations and circumstances that come against you. And the question is, are you going to be prepared? What are you going to use to fight off and to ultimately take down the enemy that, that really wants to use the circumstances to take you out. Well, it's interesting because that word sword, the sword of the spirit in the Greek is a word pronounced as makaira. And it simply means it's a short sword or potentially a dagger. Basically, what that meant was is that often in a battle, in a situation where the enemy is coming against you, coming against that soldier, oftentimes in Maybe, that, maybe it was just that last line of defense that soldier might would kneel down and would protect, it, protect himself against behind the shield. So he's got the, he's got the shield, if you will, the shield of faith that is you know, wielding off all of the fiery arrows, all of the things that are coming against him. But maybe it's in the close proximity of the battle. I mean, he is toe-to-toe. He is eye to eye with the evil one, with the enemy, and all of a sudden, what does he do? He takes his sword of the spirit, he takes his dagger, and what does he do? Because he's in close proximity, he's on the offense. Now it's that last line of defense where he uses the sword to take out the adversary. In the same way, we have to get in close proximity with God's word. Because here's the thing we have to realize. That the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. And the belt of truth. That we talked about during week one. Are connected. In other words. They are not separate. They are intertwined. They are one and the same. They are connected to one another. Because the sword of the spirit is the truth of God's word. And so therefore, Jesus, what did Jesus say? You shall know the truth, and the truth will liberate you, will set you free in the moment to act against whatever it is that's coming against you. In other words, you can spot the lie. You can call it out by name. Because again, as we stated, if you can't name it, you can't defeat it. So the father of lies, he's whispering lies and deceit. He's, he's taking truth and he's perverting it. And he's twisting it and he's, and he's distorting it. But because we know the truth and because we know the truth is the word of God, we can take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and we can use it to defeat the evil one. Now here's the thing that separates a physical sword from the spiritual sword. 
Because in the physical realm, when you take a physical sword, the more you use it, the duller it gets, right? But when you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the more you use the Word of God, the sharper it becomes. And so if you don't use the Word of God... If, if, you don't, if you are not walking in the spiritual, if you are not on the offense, if you are not fully dressed, if you are not dressed for success, then therefore you become dull. In other words, you don't have the truth at your disposal. You don't have the effectiveness of that last line of defense, the sword of the Spirit, to take out the enemy. And the reason why is because if you don't lose it, excuse me, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. You've got to be able to recall in the moment the truth of the word of God, which is your sword, so that you can take out the evil one. So, here's what the scripture teaches us. The scripture teaches us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit. Remember we talked about this last week. Michelle did a fantastic job of sharing, describing in full detail the helmet of salvation. If you did not get a chance to hear that, please go back. In fact, you can go back and watch all of these messages on our YouTube uh, channel. Just please go back. Listen to the sword, excuse me, listen to the helmet of our salvation. Because we're talking about the soul and the spirit, the body. We're talking about being tri-dimensional. Listen, the thing that's so powerfully important that we understand is that it cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So here's what the Word of God, the Word of God cuts deep. The Word of God penetrates. That's the power of the sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So it cuts in multiple ways. And it cuts to our heart. It cuts to our soul, our thoughts, our motives, our desires. It exposes the things that are not in alignment with the will of God. And so what we got to realize is that in this partic- particular verse, in Hebrews 4 verse 12... When it says, for the word of God, it also happens to be the same Greek word that is, that is being used in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, when Paul said, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So in that verse, and in this verse, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that particular phrase is, is, an, is a Greek word that is referred to as rhema. Most of the time in the Bible, as you're reading the Bible, as you're hearing the Bible taught, so often it is what is referred to as the logos. The logos is the Greek word, which basically, it basically means that that is the word of God. It is being taught it is, as, it, it, as it goes forth. It has a general application. In other words, the logos is for everyone at all times, for all places. And here's what's interesting. It could be like the Ten Commandments. It could be like the Sermon on the Mount. It could be like you know, various principles throughout God's Word that apply to all people in all situations at all times. It is the logos, the truth of God's Word. 
But in this case, Paul is referencing something a little bit different that has a very specific type of meaning. And it is referred to in Greek as the rhema, which is the word of God. But it also comes in a different way. It is God speaking personally. It is God giving individuals a specific word, a rhema that is personal and applicable to their given situation. So, for example, I could stand up here today and I could say, Rethink Life Church, I love you guys. Y'all are supposed to say, We love you too, Pastor Rodden. All right. Appreciate that. No, seriously, I, I, I could stand here and say, hey, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. Love you guys. And I, and I would mean that sincerely. I love you guys. That's a logos. That's for all of you. However... If I walk over here, and our camera guy's over here, and I tell Michelle, baby, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good night tonight. That was not for you guys. That is for her. I just gave her a rhema. I just gave her a personal direct message that was just for her. You see, there's a difference between the Logos and the Rhema. The Logos, once again, it's for everybody. But the Rhema has a direct personal correlation to it. For example, you remember when God told Sarah, which by the way, if you hadn't Maybe forgotten, she was 90 years of age when God gave her a rhema that she was going to have a baby. And you can understand and empathize why she laughed at the thought when God said, you're going to have a baby at 90 years of age. Well, guess what? Abraham was 99 years of age. So 99 and a 90-year-old rocking a new baby, that's like something to laugh about, right? But God gave her a rhema. That was specific and applicable to her situation. Remember when Peter and the disciples were in the boat and there's this storm that came and, and all of a sudden they see something in the distance and there is Jesus walking on the water. And what did Peter do? Peter looked out at Jesus as he's walking out of the water and, and he said, Lord, if that is you, tell me to come to where you are and I'll come. And what did Jesus do? Jesus saw Peter from a distance and he said, come. He gave him a rhema. And what did Peter do? Peter got out of the boat and he started walking on the water towards Jesus. Well, did you ever notice that the other disciples who were in the boat with Peter, they weren't as eager to get out of the boat as Peter was. The reason why is because the invitation to come was not applicable to them. It was applicable to Peter. Why? Because God gave Peter a rhema. So we've got to understand that God speaks to us in general ways, but God also speaks to us in a very real, personal way. You say, well, how do you know if you get a rhema from God? 
Remember, as I stated a few moments ago, when the soldier is kneeling, that last line of defense, and the enemy is coming for him, he's got the shield, he's hiding or maybe protecting himself behind the shield, in our case, the shield of faith, that is, that is basically allowing that defensive mechanism to ward off all of the fiery arrows. But what does he do in that last line of defense? He takes his dagger, he takes his sword, he takes his short knife, and he uses it on the offense to take out the enemy. How is he able to do that? He's able to do it because of close proximity. So in order for us to get a rhema from God, we got to be in close proximity with him. What does James teach us? Hey, when we draw near to God, God draws near to us. So therefore, when we are in the Word of God, through prayer, through the reading of Scripture, we're meditating, we're not just meditating on the Word of God, but we're looking for truth to apply to our lives, guess what we're doing? We are allowing God to speak to us in specific ways to apply in certain situations and circumstances. God gives us a rhema. You say, well, how do you know if God gives you a rhema? Number one, it's always consistent with the word of God. So you may have had a bad pizza the night before and you think, man, I just, I don't know, I just woke up some more of this revelation. But if that revelation is not consistent with the word of God, then you know it was just a bad pizza, right? But scripture comes alive. When you get a rhema, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, scripture takes on new meaning. It comes alive in your heart and your spirit. God gives you a directive. He provides what it is that you need in that moment with a specific word. He recalls to your attention. He puts it in your heart. He seals it in your spirit. You just know this is God speaking to me. It's a word. It's a rhema that comes to us. One of the things that... I think many Christians fail to realize in their spiritual daily walk with God is that if you are not in close proximity with God, in other words, if you're not walking, as the Bible says, in the Spirit, the Bible says you're going to fulfill the desires of the flesh. So in other words... If we're just operating out of our own strength, if we're just operating out of the norm in terms of our day-to-day life, then therefore, we're going to lack the power, we're going to lack the discernment, we're going to be unaware, we're going to be unprepared. Why? Because we're dropping our guard We're walking out of our house, we're going to work, we're going to school spiritually naked because we didn't put on the full armor of God. So therefore, we're walking into the world, we're walking into school, we're walking out into our workplace unprepared, and the devil knows it. He's prowling around, the Bible says, looking for someone 
to devour. So therefore, he sees your vulnerability. He sees that moment of weakness. He hangs that little dangling carrot out in front of you of temptation. And he says, just this once is not going to hurt. Hey, pornography won't bother you. Everybody does it. Look at the statistics. Man, it's, it doesn't have any harm in a person's life. Hey, what, what could, listen, everybody, you know, the, the message is love. Love is love. So just love everybody. God wants you to be happy, right? So just sleep with this person. Hey, just live in immorality with this person. God wants you happy, right? I mean, all of the lies sound true. So if we are not walking in close proximity with God, if we're walking in the flesh rather than in the spirit, then all of a sudden we become vulnerable to the ideologies of the world. We, we become vulnerable to the temptations of life. We become weak in the moment where the enemy will suddenly throw us a curveball mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially, and all of a sudden what happens? We're overwhelmed because we never saw it coming. And I really believe this is one of the reasons why so many Christians lack spiritual confidence. A lot of times I'm always amazed when people will say, uh, Pastor Rodney, would you, would you pray for situ this situation? Or, Pastor Rodney, would you pray for us? And, and, I, and I know where they're coming from, so don't, don't take this the wrong way. But in my heart, I often want to say, what makes my prayers different than your prayers? I mean, how is it that God didn't give me a certain password or I don't have a red phone that I can pick up and say, uh, you know, God, I know this is just between us and everybody else doesn't have the same direct act. No. Do you realize that we are all priests and kings of God? Do you realize that, listen, you have the same authority as I have? Do you realize that you can call upon the name of God at any given moment? You have direct access with God the Father. you got to understand that, listen, if we are caught off guard, if we are walking in weakness because we don't have the Word of God at our disposal, then guess what? We have nothing to fight our battles with. And so that's the reason why it's not enough to get into the Word. you got to get the Word into you. The Word of God has got to become a part of our lives. Listen, we got to get it in our head, in our mental state. we got to get it into our emotions. we got to get it into our soul, our spirit. Listen, we got to get it into every fiber of our being. Why? Because the Word of God, it is our sword. It is the offensive weapon that we use at any given moment, in any situation, no matter where we are, who we're with. It is the Word of God that gives Gives us the power to overcome the evil one. So we don't have to live a lie. We don't have to live in the strongholds that the enemy uses where he puts us in handcuffs because we are believing the lies that the evil one has allowed us to believe as truth. So therefore, if you are believing in your heart lies, then therefore it's going to affect the way you think. 
And because you're believing lies and because it's negatively affecting your thought life, guess what? It's going to negatively affect your feelings and your emotions. And therefore, if you are down and depressed and discouraged and defeated and you're thinking about those thoughts and you're dwelling upon those thoughts all the time about how bad life is, about how hard your situation is, about how hard your circumstances are, about how nothing ever goes right or my past or these mistakes or what he did or what she said or how they made my life miserable. Guess what? If you believe that and you think that and you feel that, you're going to eventually live that every single day of your life. And that's where so many people live, even inside their church. And so we got to understand that at the end of the day, that is exactly what the evil one wants you to do. He wants you to believe the lies as truth in your heart So that you will think negative thoughts, so you will feel negative emotions, so you will ultimately act out and live out in negative ways. Listen, your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thought. Listen, what you focus on expands. So whatever giants you're facing in your life, if that's all you focus on is your giants, then your giants are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger in your life. Well, don't focus on your giants and how big they are. Focus on your God and how big he is. He's given you everything you need. He's given you the word of God, the sword of the spirit to take out the evil one who wants to steal and kill and destroy your life. How many of you have ever seen Winnie Pooh before? Winnie the Pooh? And some of us, we got the little Eeyore spirit. Well, God always seems to bless her. Where's my blessings? God always leaves me out of the picture. Guess it's going to rain today. Rained all week. Been flooding. Better start building an ark. World's going to come to an end. Must be the second coming. It's coming. And you know what? It's just sad. Being around people are just negative. They don't see the glass half empty. I mean, they see it just bone dry. I mean, there's like, there's no hope. Aren't you thankful? That God has given us all the tools, the equipment. He's given us the ultimate wardrobe to put on every day so that we can win the spiritual battles of our everyday lives. So, the question is, when you're under pressure... Hey, when you are put in those situations and circumstances, those moment of vulnerability, uh, weakness, temptation, whatever. When you are put in those situations, let me ask you a question. When you're squeezed, when you're under pressure, in the moment, whatever situation you're going, whatever storm you're facing, whatever's coming against you in those moments, when you're squeezed, what comes out of you? kind of like a tube of toothpaste, right? When you squeeze it, something comes out. 
So the question is, what comes out of you? Is what comes out of you negativity? Is it defeating? Is it words that are condescending? Is it, is it words of defeat rather than words of victory? Words that, that are affirming? Words that are truth? Are, is, 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 are lies coming out of our heart? That's why David said in Psalm 119, Your word have I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against you, God. You see, in the moment when we are squeezed, in the moment we're walking through a storm, in the moment we feel vulnerability, that is when, in that moment, the Word of God needs to come out of our hearts. And you can't do that unless you're in close proximity with Him. When we come close to Him, He comes close to us. Now back to the whole Ramah situation, and I'm going to give you some application and then we're going to be done. But I just want to share something with you. This is fascinating to me. Because everything I've been describing, Jesus actually modeled for us. When he was in that moment of vulnerability and weakness. Remember, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So therefore, he was physically. You know, remember, God, was, God came to earth in a human form, just like you and me. So Jesus was God in the flesh, in human form. And so therefore, even though he was, he was God in the flesh, but because he was flesh, he was human, he, he, he encountered the same challenges that we encounter in the physical realm. So here he was. He was tired. He was physically weak. He was vulnerable because he had fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. So therefore, no food. He was just weak. Well, the enemy knew that he was in a place where he could be tempted. He knew this place of vulnerability and weakness. So what's interesting is that in this moment, Satan takes Jesus and he puts him through a series of tests. And the scripture teaches us in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, in the first temptation that that the devil used to, to, to try to tempt Jesus. It says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And in that moment, in that moment, here's what Jesus said. Jesus, because, listen to this, because he took the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, what did Jesus do? Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what did Jesus do? Jesus took what was inconsistent and what was untrue, and he gave him truth. Why? Because Jesus was the word, and therefore he approached the lie and the temptation with the truth. He used the sword, which was the word of God, to defend the devil. And then, it goes on to say, Then the devil took him to the holy city the, of Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a 
stone. What did Jesus say? Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. You see, what's interesting in all three of these situations where, where he said, it is written. The scriptures say, he was quoting Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and Deuteronomy chapter 6. The third time the devil tempted him, he said, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him to all the kingdoms of the world and and their glory. And he said, I'll give it all to you, he said, if you'll just kneel down and worship me. Remember we talked not too long ago about, hey, there is a war waging for our worship. The devil wants us to worship him, not the Lord. And what did Jesus say? He said, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, for the word of God says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And notice, then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. That is exactly what God wants for us. When we put on the full armor of God, when we are fully dressed, when we are fully prepared, and now we are on the offenses. Hey, listen, he's already given us all the defensive weapons that we need, but he's also given us in that last line of defense, in our weakest moment, when all the trials and all the fiery darts are coming against us, we can take the sword of the Spirit, we can go on the offense, and we can take the Word of God, and we can say, not today, Satan, Today, I am standing firm. I am standing ground on the truth of the word of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God is for me, who in the world can be against me? Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I'm going to choose to live in the fullness of God through the word of God and his truth rather than the lies of the evil one. And so, how do we do that? We do that by learning the rhema. We do that by allowing God to speak to us directly and personally by giving us tools that we can use in the specific situations and circumstances that we encounter in life. Because the Bible, listen, doesn't become a sword, you ready for this, until we memorize it. Repeat that. The Bible doesn't become a sword in your life until you memorize it. Because you can't just take your physical Bible and, you know, beat somebody over the head with it. I mean, you could. But I don't think that would really be a good testimony. Be a good way to go viral, you know, on TikTok or Instagram. Man beats up a person with their Bible. But no, here, seriously. It is getting the word of God into us. Because there are going to be moments when we're alone, isolated, feeling lonely, depressed, worried, fearful. We're going to be wounded by words of other people hurt, feeling rejection, feeling really, really low, really down, feeling like there's no hope, can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, don't know how much I can continue to carry this burden. 
standing in the fork of the road, not really sure which direction I need to go, or maybe you're in a place of temptation or vulnerability with someone. And in that moment, in that moment of weakness, what are you going to do? It's in that moment where the Holy Spirit recalls to you the truth. It's in that moment where the Spirit of God convicts you of sin. It's in that moment where the Holy Spirit, which is a part of his role and his responsibility to speak to us, to convict us, to guide us, to reveal to us, to allow us to hear the truth in that moment because we are in close proximity with him and it is because of the rhema of the word of God that he recalls to our mind, recalls to our spirit, and as a result, we have a rhema that rolls off of our lips saying this is the promise that I'm standing on. This is the victory that I'm standing on. This is the word of God that I'm going to choose to believe in this moment. And in that moment, when we speak the word of God, because of it being memorized, the enemy flees from us. And we're able to escape from those situations. So how do we use the sword of the Spirit? Let me give you five things, and I'm going to just close in prayer. I'm not going to expound on these, but I would highly encourage you to maybe get your phone, take a little screen, little, little shot of these scriptures, or excuse me, these, these phrases I'm going to give you. This is an exercise that I'm going to give you today. Because this is how the rhema, God's word, can be very specific to you that you can use as your sword in your moments when you need him the most. Number one, here's how you memorize the scripture. Pick a verse that speaks to you. So, just as an example, this is Thanksgiving week. So I've been, in my mind, trying to memorize this week the importance of having a thankful spirit. So 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances. Not some. In all circumstances. Be Thankful in all circumstances. Some of you are going to be around some not so friendly family members this week at Thanksgiving. Some of you are going to be in some situations where you have some awkward conversations with people. There are going to be situations and circumstances that are going to make you uncomfortable. There are going to be situations and circumstances that where you're going to maybe feel in your life that maybe things aren't going that great. But in all circumstances, the Bible says, be thankful in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So we take a verse of Scripture that applies to a need or a situation in our life that speaks to us. And number two, we read that verse five times in the morning and five times in the evening. Now why is that important? Because what you're doing, it is through the power of repetition. I mean, science, psychology, all affirm this. The power of repetition, repetition it is so, so important. Because as you read it aloud five times in the morning... You read it aloud five times in the evening, preferably before you go to bed. Here's what happens. You begin to burn that scripture in your mind. It not only gets in your mind, it gets in your spirit. And now all of a sudden, you go on to number three, and here's what the third thing is. 
you memorize it exactly as it's written with book, chapter, and verse. You guys with me on this? That's very important. It's like John 3.16. We could be in a situation where we're having a conversation and you say, you know, I remember that verse that says God loves everybody. No. The Bible actually says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That for, that for whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not die, but, but will have everlasting life. So what we do is we take the book, we take the chapter, we take the verse, and we memorize it exactly as it's written. Number three, repeat the process for seven days. Repeat the process. That's number four, actually. Repeat the process for seven days. Now, think about that for a moment. If you take five, just you take a verse of Scripture and you read it five times in the morning, five times in the evening, you do that for seven days. You'll have that one verse memorized. Now, think about if you did that for an entire year. That's 52 verses of Scripture that you will have in your heart, in your mind. Like David said in Psalm 119, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, O God. And then number five, after you do that, Move on to the next verse that speaks to you. So if you're having issues with discouragement, find verses that speak to discouragement. If you're having issues with depressed thoughts, find verses that speak to depressed thoughts. If you're feeling worried or anxious about something, find verses that speak to being worried or fearful or anxious. Whatever it is, maybe you want to have at your disposal, listen to this, scriptures to share the gospel, as you put on your feet, the gospel shoes of peace that you carry with you into your workplace. You have conversations with friends, family members, maybe over the Thanksgiving holidays. Guess what? God's going to give you a rhema. You're going to be able to share a truth, a verse of scripture that God's going to use as a sword of the spirit to speak to their heart. This is so vitally important to be dressed for success. So we take the, the belt of truth, we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we put on the, the gospel shoes of peace, we, we put on the, we, we take the shield of faith, we, we take the helmet of salvation, we take the sword of the Spirit, and it allows us to be clothed with Jesus. It allows us to be able to stand guard and be ready no matter what the situation is. Because when I'm ready, I'm able to win the daily battles that I'm going to face. Because it's not a matter of if, it's simply a matter of when. We're going to face those situations and those circumstances or have opportunities to share the hope of Jesus with people in our lives. And it's in those moments when we need the rhema, God's specific personal word to us in that moment to defeat the fiery darts of the evil one. Because remember, we're not fighting from a place or for victory. We're, we're, not, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting actually from a place of victory 
because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for that? That's how we engage. That's how we win the spiritual battles in our everyday lives. Through the amazing armor of God. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, and I know that many of us today are walking through a lot of situations, and some of you are experiencing some challenges right now in your life, and you just need to be reminded that God has given you everything you need. He's given you all of the the protective pieces of the armor to protect you. But he's also given you the sword, the word of God, the sword of the spirit. To take out the evil one, the lies, those fiery darts of discouragement or doubt. Or whatever it might be. And today I just want to invite you. If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're watching online. Just pray and say, God. Help me to be prepared. Give me a word that I can cling to, that I can stand on, that I can apply, and help me to memorize it. Help me to get your word into me. There are those here today who may not have a follow, maybe have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're not a follower of his. And maybe God has given you a rhema today where God has revealed to you, maybe it's that still small voice whispering in your heart, just something that's knocking on the door of your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the rhema of God that is speaking to you personally today saying, open the door and let me take control of your life. If you've never done that today, would you be willing to put your faith in Jesus and invite him to be the Lord of your life? You can pray something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. Today I believe that Jesus died and he arose again. And by faith, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life to forgive me and to save me. From this day forward, I'm surrendering my life to you. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you happen to have prayed that prayer, would you let me know? Can I rejoice with you? Would you be so bold just to say, Yes, I pray that prayer by holding up your hand high toward heaven today, saying, yes, I, I pray that prayer, and I'm ashamed to admit it. Just say, yep, count me in today. Count me in. That's awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these today who may have, may have prayed that prayer, who just surrendered their life to you. And God, as we come close to you, we pray that you would come close to us. And I pray that today... That as we walk out of this place, we'll be battle ready. And God, this week, as we have conversations, as we're around family members, as we 
have the opportunity to be reflective and give thanks for all the amazing blessings, God, that you've given to us. We also pray, Father, that you would give us a rhema, that you give us a word, a truth, a promise that we can share with someone else. Lord, in the midst of conversations, if somebody opens their heart, if somebody tells us about something they're facing, maybe some circumstance that they're going through, Lord, may we have a rhema to share with them that gives them hope, that gives them reassurance, that gives them confidence, Lord, that gives them the truth that they need. That you, Father, are the very thing that can change and transform their life, their situation, and their circumstances. So God, we pray that you give us the gospel shoes of peace. And this week, Lord, we would be peace makers. God, this week we would share peace and love and hope with those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.